Let's take our Bibles. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. You know what? I left the wrong, note, uh, the wrong reference on your, on your outline and on mine uh, for, for that top part there. We will be in Luke in just a little bit, but uh, first of all, we're going to be in Matthew. So uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1, and uh, we'll, we'll, start, we'll read a few verses in Matthew chapter 1 and uh, get into the story of Jesus' birth. And uh, we're so excited uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, uh, we talked about the advent, uh, the expectation of His coming, and uh, how, how His coming was, was prophesied, and, there, and everyone was so excited that, uh, that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming, and uh, we, we praise the Lord for that. Uh, we talked about the advent. Last week, we talked about the announcement, how the, the angels came and announced to the shepherds uh, that, that uh, he was come. They said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And aren't you glad that that news is for all people? Amen. Uh, that means it's for me and you as well. And so we, we're so thankful. But then the day came when he arrived. You know, at Christmas time, uh, we, we, do all of our, we do all of our shopping. Some of, uh, some of us will do shopping um, not this week, but next week probably, right? Uh, we'll probably do our, our Christmas shopping next week and uh, get, get all excited for Christmas and, and get the gifts and everything. And, uh, you know, the, our, boys, our boys were always so excited about Christmas coming and, uh, and Mackenzie and I would buy, would buy gifts for them. And, and often we'd try to, you know, we'd do what parents do, try to keep the presents hid, but the boys were just so good at finding all those gifts, I don't know how they did it, but they had like little, little uh, uh, hound dog noses or something to sniff out all those gifts. And so I just didn't know what to do. And somebody said, why don't you try hiding them in the, why don't you try, you know, hiding them up in the attic? Just keep them up in the attic. And so we tried that for a while, but Levi kept crying and it was dark and spiders and all of that kind of stuff. And so, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we did. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Christmas is an exciting time of year and we're, we always look forward to, uh, to Christmas coming. Um, but, uh, and the, and the first Christmas was no different because his, his arrival, it had been, it had been prophesied. People, people were excited that Messiah was going to come. The announcement came from the angels that he was here and the shepherds wanted to go and see this thing which had come to pass that the angels had made known unto them. We're going to talk today about this baby that came and was born there and laid in the manger. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, we're going to start reading in verse, uh, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start reading verse 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Joseph and Mary were a spouse that was, uh, was kind of like uh, today our engagements, you know, when, when a man and a woman are engaged to be married and, and that espousal was looked upon, uh, was looked upon as almost as if they were already married. And in order to break the engagement, uh, they had, to, they had to, uh, to give a writing of divorcement. They had to get a divorce to make it official that the engagement was broken off. And Joseph, uh, Joseph was, was troubled when he heard that Mary uh, was expecting a baby. And he, he thought perhaps that she had, had been unfaithful. I mean, because what other explanation could there be? And, uh, and he was, uh, but he loved her. And the Bible says he was, he was a just man. And, and he, he wanted to do right by Mary. And, uh, and he, because of his love, he didn't want her to be put to death, which was the penalty for that kind of sin. 
so he was going to do it privately. He was going to do it quietly. But the Bible says an angel appeared to him. And the angel told him, Joseph, don't, don't worry. Don't be upset. Don't be afraid. Take Mary to be your wife. Because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. You know what he's saying? He's, he's saying to, to Joseph, he's saying, the baby in Mary's womb is the Son of God. He's the Son of God. And that's what we find here, first of all. Uh, our first point is he's the Son of God. This baby that is, that is born, he's, he's like none other. He's, he's different from all the other uh, babies that are, that are ever born because, because he didn't have an earthly father. And many times people, are, people uh, that are skeptical about this, that do not believe in, in Jesus and don't uh, trust Jesus as their Savior, they, they, want to, they want to doubt this reality. And they're like, how can it be? That, that, he could, uh, that he could be born that way. And it's because he is the son of God. See, his, his lineage, his lineage although, uh, although uh, Mary's uh, lineage we can read in, in the Gospels, it goes all the way back to King David. And even Joseph's lineage goes all the way back to King David. Jesus' lineage goes back to God. Because he is the very son of God. He was in the beginning with God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And so because it says He was with God, we see, we see that there's more than just one uh, personality, one, more than just one person there. Uh, there's, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost as He's called. And... And so Jesus was in the beginning with God. And, and he was, uh, the Bible goes on to say, to say all things were made by him. By who? By Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. And uh, later in John chapter 1, it says, it says, and the word was made flesh, the word that was with God in the beginning, and the word that was God in the beginning. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He had, he had uh, characteristics of His Father. He, 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 was, he was holy. He never sinned one time. Can you imagine, uh, can you imagine being one of the brothers, one of the half-brothers of Jesus growing up? Because... Uh, uh, all right, we've got some uh, music going here. All right. There we go. Uh, we love that song. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think maybe the, they had the Bluetooth connected there for the, for the children's classes they're practicing. Let me just throw this in here. Uh, next week, the kids are going to be, are going to be singing, uh, singing a song for us. And you got a little snippet there of a, of a preview. Uh, and they're going to sound even more wonderful and beautiful than that did. Uh, but anyway, uh, in, invite folks to come. It's going to be a great time. Um, but Jesus had the characteristics of God. He was holy. Uh, and I started to say, can you imagine being one of Jesus', uh, Jesus siblings there? Uh, see, when, when Mary and Joseph uh, were there in Bethlehem, Jesus was born. He was, he was Mary's firstborn child. Uh, but she did have other children uh, with, with Joseph. And, and, uh, and those kids grew up with Jesus. Jesus was their older brother. And and uh, can you imagine uh, whenever, whenever the kids would do something and get in trouble and Mary's correcting them? You know, you should be picking up all of your stuff. You should be putting your things away. You should keep your room clean. Why don't you, always, why don't you ever get on to Jesus? Well, he doesn't ever do anything wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I feel like that, uh, that might have been a little frustrating to his, to his brothers. And, and they'd be like, 
Jesus is your favorite, isn't he? And she's like, yeah, but you know, I love you too. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine how that must have been. But Jesus, Jesus did right. He was holy. He was sinless. He always did those things that were right. He, in fact, he said, I do always those things that please my father. And he did this because he had the characteristics of his father, that holiness in his life, righteousness, uh, that sinlessness uh, was, was a part of his life because he was God in the flesh. Jesus was also, uh, also like his father, sharing the attributes of his father in that he, was, uh, in that he is all-knowing. There's a couple of times in Scripture when Jesus is speaking to, uh, speaking to others, uh, the, the, maybe the disciples or the Pharisees or the other, the, the other Jews there, and, and the Bible says, and knowing their thoughts. Hey, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And Jesus knows what you're thinking right now, too. He knows what we think. He, uh, the, uh, the, the Christmas song says, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is, uh, is coming to town. And he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You know, that kind of seems like a stalker. But uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus being God, he, he knows all those things. And, and he, knows, he knows not just when you're, uh, when you're sleeping and when you're awake. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going to think in 10 years. Because he's all-knowing. And being all-knowing, he's, he's able to work in accordance with that and plan things out and prepare things for us because he's God in the flesh. He's the very Son of God. He's also like his Father in that he loves. He loves us so much. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus told his disciples, he said, greater love hath no man than this, but that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. Jesus loved us just like his father loves us, and he loved us so much that he gave himself for us. He could have taken a shortcut. I, I remember there in Matthew chapter 4 when, when Jesus was tempted of the devil. The Bible tells us he, uh, that uh, he, he, went, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And, and while he was there, he had been fasting for 40 days and, and he was hungry. And Satan came and said, well, if you are the Son of God, why don't you command that these stones be made bread? He's like, why don't you prove that you're the son of God by turning rocks into bread so you can eat and be satisfied? Well, Jesus didn't need to prove himself and certainly not to Satan. He told him, he said, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Satan uh, had a couple other other. Uh, temptations that he presented to Jesus. And, and one of them was, he said, he, he took him into an exceeding great high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the earth in their glory. And he said, all of these will I give you if you'll just bow down and worship me. Satan was telling Jesus, look, you, you have plans to become king one day, uh, king of kings and lord of lords. You have plans to rule over all the nations of the world, but, uh, but it's going to cost you the cross. You're going to have to suffer and go to the cross, but I can give it to you right now and you won't have to go to the cross if you'll just bow and worship me. But Jesus loved you, and Jesus loved me enough that he wasn't even tempted. He told Satan, he said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus was holy. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is loving. Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus is all-powerful. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus took five loaves and two fish and 
fed a multitude of 5,000 men plus women and children. It's been estimated that there were perhaps 15 to 20, maybe even 25,000 people there that day that Jesus fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. And that wasn't all. After everybody had eaten and they were satisfied, they took up the leftovers and there was more in the end than there was in the beginning. There were 12 baskets full. It wasn't that there were 12 baskets with something in them, and that would have been amazing enough after all of that crowd. I mean, especially if there were teenagers there, right? Because they eat a lot. But there were leftovers, and there were 12 baskets full. Because Jesus has all power. And He wants to show that power in your life and in mine as we we believe Him to be who He says He is and who He is in truth, the Son of God. And as we trust Him and as we yield our lives to Him, He'll change us from the inside out. You say, but you don't know who I am. Hey, you don't know the power of God. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the grace of God. See, God is able to take anything and use it for His honor and glory. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that God can get glory even out of nothing. Because that's just how much God He is. Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says, the Bible says, The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. How could this happen? Well, God who created the body, God who created uh, all of the, all of, well, everything that is, the one who made the body, the one who made the womb, the one who made life to begin with can certainly put life in the womb. And He does. See, He's the giver of life. He's the one who chooses when a child will be conceived. He's the one who who puts that life in every womb. But there was something that was different about about this one. Because he not only put life, but he put the baby there. he, He put Jesus in the womb of Mary. Because he's just that powerful to be able to do that. Without the the aid of a human father, Jesus was conceived. In the womb of Mary, he's the Son of God. The Bible tells us, uh, the Bible tells us over and over that he is the Son of God. The Bible says in Luke chapter one, the angel answered and said to her. Uh, well, the angel uh, appeared to Mary. Uh, he says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee, named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel uh, came unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she, uh, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this thing, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered her and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That's who He is. This baby in the manger, there in Bethlehem, in that stable out on the outskirts of town, 
is God in the flesh. He's the Son of God. How, uh, and, and, and being the Son of God, he's, he's not, he's not, uh, a, he's not, he had no earthly father. And therefore, as we saw here, the Bible says the angel appeared to Mary. Mary was a, a virgin. Jesus is the Son of God. Secondly, he was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. Uh, he says, uh, bef- uh, when Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was pure uh, in, in, in uh, her, her body. She had never, uh, never had uh, relations with a man, and, and uh, she was pure and, and uh, had kept herself uh, clean in that way. And the Bible tells us that, that, uh, that God chose her, not, not, because, not because she was holy, because she wasn't. She was a woman just like any other. She was just like any other girl. But she was a special, uh, a special young lady because she had a heart after God. And we see that heart uh, after God uh, through, through her testimony when, when the angel appeared to her and said, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And, and he said, and that thing which will be born in you it shall be called the Son of God. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall, uh, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mary asked the angel, she said, how, how can these things be? And the angel said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. See, when, when the angel told her that she was going to be with child, she knew, I've never been with a man, but, but, having, uh, but, but if I conceive in my womb and, I, and, I, uh, and a baby grows within my womb, people are going to think that I've been, that I've been immoral. People are going to think that I've been unfaithful and, and I'm going to be accused of so much. I'm going to suffer scorn and, and scoffing. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, suffer rebuke. I'm going, to be the, uh, the, I'm going to be an outcast and people are going to look at me differently. The angel told her, he said, this baby that's going to be born is the Son of God. And knowing, knowing that God was, that this was a work of God, knowing that, that God had chosen her for, for a task, Mary humbled herself and said, be it unto me according to thy word. What she's saying is, if I suffer persecution for Jesus' sake, so be it. If I suffer scorn and scoffing because of Jesus, let it be. If God will be glorified in me through, uh, through my being an outcast from society, then, then that is what I want. Be it unto me according to thy word. So often we look at the word of God and what God says for us and we're like, but if I do that, what are people going to think? May we have the same response as Mary and say, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, whatever you want from my life, that's what I want. I don't want to do my will, but thy will. Lord, I want my will to be in subjection to your will until my will is the same as your will. Be it unto me according to thy word. If it causes me suffering, so be it. If it causes me shame and, and, uh, and rebuke, so be it. If it causes others to, to cast me to the side and to disregard me and to, and to persecute me, so be it. Be it unto me according to thy word. I want to do the will of God. I wonder, is that your heart's desire this morning? I'm so glad that it was the desire of Mary because through her, Jesus was born into this world. The Bible tells us that Mary went and visited her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was much older than Mary. And uh, in fact, uh, she was, she was uh, at the age to where, where she, couldn't, she could no longer conceive. And she had never had any children. But God, God worked a miracle and and. Uh, allowed, uh, allowed Elizabeth and her husband, uh, Zacharias, to have a son. 
His name was called John. He was the, uh, he was, we know him in Scripture as John the Baptist. He, and not Baptist because of any denomination. He, he wasn't any, it wasn't anything like that. Uh, we're not Baptist because of John the Baptist. People many times will say that, but that's not the case. Uh, but uh, that's another story for another time. But we know this John in Scripture as John the Baptist. And the Bible says that when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, that as soon as she came into the presence of Elizabeth, that, that the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John, who was about, uh, he was about six months uh, further along uh, in, in uh, his uh, development or whatever. Uh, and uh, uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, he was about six months uh, older uh, as far as that goes. And the Bible says when Mary came into the presence of Elizabeth that John leaped in his mother's womb. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, you, God has chosen you. You're, you, are, you are blessed and you're, uh, God has chosen you to bring uh, Messiah into the world. And, and, and I know this to be the case because when you came in here, my baby, my baby leaped in my womb for joy. The Bible says that as they were talking about this, Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength to his, uh, he hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the, the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary's rejoicing over what God is doing in her. Mary, Mary said he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. She recognized who she was. She recognized that she was undeserving. She recognized that she was a sinner in need of a Savior. And her trust was in Him. That's why she said, my soul, uh, she said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. If Mary was, was holy like many people believe, if Mary was sinless like many people say, then she would not have needed a Savior. But she did need a Savior because she was a sinner. And she was, she was grateful to be chosen to bring Jesus into this world. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was born of a virgin. And thirdly, Jesus was born to be our Savior Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Bible tells us in Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says we're all as an unclean thing. Scripture tells us that, that our iniquities have separated, us, have separated between us and God. And he tells us in, in Isaiah that our righteousnesses, the best things that we can do, are as filthy rags. Often religion will tell you, be good, be good, do this, do that, pray these prayers, uh, do these works, give, to, give money to the church and do all of these good things and, and you'll earn favor with God. But the Bible tells us that our works do not earn favor with God. Because the best things that we can do are as filthy rags and God, God is holy and He wants us to be holy. He's commanded us to be holy and when we come to God and we bring, we bring a pile of filthy rags and present them to Him as righteous, that's not acceptable. 
So we need, we need something different. We need something that's going to cleanse those filthy rags, that's going to cleanse us of, of that unrighteousness. We need something that's going to help us. And, and there's nothing in us that is able to have that happen. We, we are not capable of producing righteousness. So God chose to intervene. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ was sent into this world to be the Savior. When He came, the, uh, when he came as was prophesied, He would come to, to deliver His people. He would come to, uh, to be, uh, to be the, uh, a ruler. He would come to win victory. And, and Israel thought that when Jesus was coming, when Messiah would come, that they would break the hold, that he would break the hold that the Romans had on them and that he would set up a kingdom uh, and, at, at that time and rule and reign uh, over, over uh, the world. But the Bible tells us that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He told him, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. I didn't, I'm not coming to set up an earthly kingdom. What he came to do at that time was to win the victory over our enemy, not Rome. Not, uh, not any man-made empire. Jesus came to set us free from our sin. Because see, you could be under the tyranny of some, uh, of some uh, emperor. You could be under the thumb of some dictator. And, and as a child of God, we could, we could go to heaven. And many have died with faith in Jesus Christ, having been ruled by dictators and, and, and uh, governed by, uh, by tyrants. But if Jesus, if Jesus had only come to set us free politically, if Jesus had only come to set us free nationally or, or uh, any other way, then it wouldn't have really had much more effect than, than any other great warrior. So Jesus came to do something that no one else could do, to set us free from an enemy that no one else had power over. Jesus Christ came to set us free from sin. And he gave himself as the sacrifice there on the cross. The Bible says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Jesus said, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He said, that, he said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And he was saying that to, uh, to the Pharisees because they saw themselves as righteous. They saw themselves as, as healthy spiritually, but they didn't realize how sin sick they were. They didn't understand how desperately they needed Jesus Christ to be their Savior. And if you're here today and you don't see your need, you won't receive Jesus as your Savior. But all of us were born in sin. All of us uh, were born dead in trespasses and sins. And we're all, uh, we were all doomed and destined for an eternity separated from God in the place called hell uh, to burn and to suffer for eternity in the lake of fire because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, because of our unbelief. Jesus said that we are condemned already because we have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So Jesus came to set us free. He came to give us someone to believe in. He came to give us hope that we can hold on to. Jesus came. The Son of God came into this world born of a virgin, born to be our Savior. We read the verse there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, that says, we've seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. How could John say this? 
Because he saw Jesus. He saw, he watched him, he lived, he, he walked with him and, and served with him for, for several years. He saw him live a perfect, holy life. He, he saw the compassion uh, that, he, that Jesus showed on others and he saw Jesus sinless uh, give himself as a sacrifice. He saw Jesus die on the cross. John stood uh, at, there, there at the, the place of crucifixion as Jesus was hanging on the cross, bleeding and, and dying there for our sins. And he stood there and, and was a support to Mary, the mother of Jesus during that time. And he watched Jesus and he heard his, his his last words uh, as Jesus said, it is finished. And he cried out and said, into thy hand I commend my spirit. He heard Jesus say as he was hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And John, who had lived and served with Jesus, John, who saw Jesus die, was an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ when three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and Mary came and Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples, He's gone. And John ran to the tomb and Peter ran to the tomb as well. And John uh, made it to the tomb first and he stood there outside looking in and Peter came running right on by and ran right on into the tomb. And found it empty. John came on in and saw uh, the place was empty. Just like it had been prophesied. Just like Jesus said. Jesus had told him, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. They thought he was talking about the temple uh, there that people would go to to worship. And they said, 40 years was this temple in building. And you're going to raise it up in three days? He was talking of the temple of his body. After three days of, uh, after being crucified, he, his body laid there in the tomb. And th on the third day, he rose again, triumphant, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He had won the victory over sin and over Satan. And he offers that victory to me and you in salvation. He offers to us the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sin, salvation, eternity with God. Hey, we don't have to go to hell, but we can spend eternity in heaven with God, our Savior. And that's what He offers to us. That's why He came. When He was born there in the manger, being God, He knew why He came. When He, when he was sitting in the temple at 12 years of age, talking to the doctors and the lawyers and the, and the other people there and discussing with them and asking them questions and answering their questions. And they marveled at, uh, at the wisdom that this 12-year-old had. Hey, he knew why he came. When he healed the sick, when he raised the dead, when he gave the blind their sight, when he, uh, when he uh, forgave the woman called in the very act of adultery, when he spoke to the Pharisees, and, and when, uh, when, he, uh, when he was baptized, and all of those things, everything he did was to prove that he is who he said he was. The Son of God, who came to seek and to save that which was lost who came to give His life a ransom for many. And He did just that. He gave Himself to suffer rebuke, to suffer scorn, to suffer the derision of the people, to suffer at the hands of the soldiers and the, and the others as they beat Him, as they punched Him and slapped Him and spit on Him. And as they took the, the whip and, and beat, his, beat him in the body and ripped his body to shreds, laid the cross on his back and made him carry that cross, then they drove the nails through his hands and his feet and stood there mocking him. If you are the Son of God, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you really are the Son of God. being the Son of God, given to take away the sin of the world, He chose to stay on the cross so that we could have forgiveness of sin. For the wages of sin is death. Therefore, Jesus died for me and you. And He rose again to prove to us that it's true and to give us that victory. The Son of God
born of a virgin, was born to be our Savior. I'm glad to be able to stand here today and say He is my Savior. September 28, 1987, as a 13-year-old boy, I bowed my head and prayed, and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Although I was raised in church, although I was taught the Scriptures from a child, I could quote many, many of Bible verses at, at that age already. But that wasn't enough to get me to heaven. I knew the Bible stories. I could tell the Bible stories. I, 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 could, I, I could repeat them. I could answer many of the questions. Uh, the, uh, if, if somebody was asking Bible questions and things, I could answer a lot of the questions because I knew it here. But knowing it with your, with your mind is not enough. We need to believe it from the heart. We need to trust that Jesus is who He said He is. And we need to trust that not only is, is He uh, God, but that He is the Savior, that He is Lord, and we need to put our trust in Him. We need to realize He is the only way we're going to, go to, we're going to be able to go to heaven. Because works of righteousness, our works of righteousness will not do it. We established that before because our righteousness is filthy rags, unacceptable to God. Religion will not do it for you. Jesus told a very religious man, uh, Nicodemus, he said, he said, uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he told Nicodemus, he said, ye must be born again. Religion won't take you to heaven. But Jesus will. If you'll trust Him. If you'll receive that gift of eternal life. It's offered freely to all, which means it's offered specifically to you. It's great to come to church, but it's a tragedy to come to church week after week after week, hearing the gospel preached, and to never trust Jesus as your Savior. I'm so glad that, that every one of you are here but I pray, I pray that before you leave today, you will put your faith in Jesus Christ and know Him who is the greatest gift ever given. The Bible says, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. In a week and a half, we're going we're gonna to gather with friends and family or whoever you'll, you'll be with, and we'll exchange gifts. And someone will, all, will, will extend a gift to you. Maybe that gift was wrapped up or put in a nice gift bag or whatever and placed under, under, the, under a Christmas tree or something. But they'll pick up that gift and they'll say, oh, this is for you, and they'll hold it out to you. What if they said, this is for you, and you just sat there and said, oh, that's nice. And they're like, yeah, but this, is, this is for you. Oh, okay. You know this is for you. Yeah, yeah, I know it. Yeah, you've said it. That's for me. Yeah. Well, don't you, don't you, aren't you, aren't you grateful that so-and-so got this for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that they got it for me, yeah. but you never receive it. But that's what we do so often when, when we come to church. We hear the gospel. Jesus got this for you because he loves you. Oh, yeah. But why not receive it? How, 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 do, we, how do we receive it? I mean, it's not, it's not like a box wrapped up with, a, with ribbon and, and a bow or anything like that. But it's a gift nonetheless, and it's even a greater gift than any tangible gift you could ever receive. So how do we receive that gift? The Bible tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. See, what, it is, what those scriptures are saying is trust in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross, that he died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. Hey, if you, if you believe that from your heart and you trust him, if you'll confess to Christ, if you'll confess to God, what that means is agree with God. Tell God you believe him and you receive it. You will be saved. Let me ask you this morning, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Have you received that gift of eternal life? That the, the time for giving is upon us and God has given the greatest gift ever offered, ever given. And, and I have received it. I, can, I, I have seen and, and I testify to you that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world and He will save whosoever. He'll save anybody. He'll save everybody that will come to Him. Will you come to Him? Will you receive Him as your Savior today? Maybe you're here and you, and, and you would say, well, Pastor Philip, I, I have received Jesus as my Savior. Then I rejoice with you. We need from time to time to, to review and to, and to remember who He is and how wonderful it is that the Son of God would come to earth and give himself miraculously uh, to be born uh, into this world and give himself to be the sacrifice for our sins. The reason he came, the reason he was born was to die for you. And that ought to stir our hearts with gratitude. It ought to stir our hearts with appreciation uh, so much that, we're, that we want to further His message, that we want to do uh, what He's called us to do. And as believers in Jesus Christ, He's called us to go and take this message to the world. He's called us to work together as a church to get this message to the world. He's called us to, uh, to, to go and tell and to invite people to come so they'll hear. And, and, and as we work together... The message of the gospel is being, is being uh, broadcast around the world. And so God wants you to, be, to do your part, being faithful, being generous, and, be, and, and being that witness yourself. He wants you to be faithful to church. He wants you to be involved in the work of the ministry. He wants you to, he wants you to, to, to give uh, for the, uh, so the ministry can continue. And he wants you to be faithful to go and tell others what Jesus has done for you. It's, hey, because of all that he's done for you, he doesn't, he doesn't say that you owe him anything. But out of gratitude, we ought to give him everything. I want to encourage you to think about Him coming into this world, the Son of God that came to be the Savior of the world. Let that stir you. Let it excite you. And then, then respond to Jesus in the way He deserves. Tell somebody. Get involved in the ministry of the church. Invest your time Invest, uh, invest your, your talents. Hey, some of you have some talents. Some of you have some skills and abilities that, that are just going, they're, they're just stagnant. God didn't call us to come and just be bench warmers. He called us to be a part of his work. He came to do this work for you, to be your savior. Now you're a child of God. And he wants us to serve him faithfully. Not out of a sense of, I have to. Not obligation. But out, of, but out of gratitude for all that he's done for us. As 
Christmas is approaching and we're celebrating the coming of Christ, His birth to be our Savior. What are you giving to Him? He gave Himself to us. What are you giving to Him? Will you give more of your time this year? Will you give Him obedience by doing what He's commanded us to do? Going and and sharing the message of Jesus Christ? Will you do what He's commanded us to do and be faithful to church on a weekly basis? Will you do what He's commanded us to do and give Him His tithe and even go over and above that and give offering out of a heart of gratitude? Will you do what He's called us to do and be the part of the church that He wants you to be? He gave Himself for us. Let's live our lives for Him. He came. The prophesied Messiah is born. And that news is the news that the Son of God is born of a virgin to be our Savior. Our soul should magnify the Lord and rejoice in God our Savior. How about you? Do you rejoice in what Jesus has done for you? What difference is it making in your life? I encourage you to think on those things and to, and to see what God would lead you to do and how you would respond to Him after all that He's done for you, regardless of what anybody else thinks, regardless of what society or even friends may, may say. Would you let God's will be accomplished in your life? Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. Mary submitted herself to God and said, Be it unto me according to thy word. Jesus came and was born, and knowing, knowing that he was going to suffer the, the opposition, the persecution, the, 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 the pain and the death, He came anyway. He was committed to me and you because he was born to be our Savior. And I'm glad that he fulfilled that. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Child of God, will you live your life faithfully for him out of appreciation for all that he's done for you?